It is 6.15 a.m., which, by The Rock and Mark Wahlberg and Cameron Haynes' uh, standards, is late. I'm not on the ball being up at 6.15. But I'm trying to do this thing now where when I wake up, I just get up. Now... That would also mean that when I get tired, I need to go to sleep. So I'm also in the in the process of rediscovering my bedtime. Which is always interesting when you're uh, used to dating someone with a consistent sleep schedule. But newsflash that isn't going on anymore so now I'm, I wake up when I feel like waking up well I have I'm teaching summer camp the, the main thing is in an attempt to be more productive I have began getting out of bed when my eyes open and starting something um, this morning it happened to be the podcast and we'll we'll get into the podcast in a moment, but on various mornings it's it's different things. Right now I'm teaching dance camp, which spawns a whole list of conversation topics. So occasionally when I'm waking up I'm editing music for myself or my sister or other teachers or I am conceptualizing choreography listening to the music for any easter eggs or triggers for movements and um, it's been quite successful or not successful, it, it works the issue is I don't always go to sleep right and if you go to sleep at midnight and you're slightly a psychopath and maybe dealing with some slight depression or whatever and you wake up at four, well, you don't, I mean, you're up and you may get up and do something, but it's more trying to create the habit. And sometimes I, I'm able to take a nap before I have to go back to work, but... I guess I guess if you wake up at four and you take a little nap from six to seven thirty, that's that's considered a nap, right? I don't know. Does a nap have to be afternoon? I feel like a nap is whenever you sleep less than two hours. That's a classification I just came up with on my own right then. Confirm it on your own. Let's let's just talk about this podcast thing real quick. And just just the Rojo show. In general, because the Rojo show has become a header for just about anything that I do. Um, Because obviously to do this kind of thing, it requires a certain level of narcissism that people are actually interested in what you have to say. And what your life consists of. And I think my life is somewhat interesting. Is it as interesting as it could be? I don't think so. I think my life could be way more interesting. Um... But it's, I mean, I have range. Um, And 
Um, listen, I've had this podcast for, for some reason, I always go to five years. <laughs> Somebody told me that I say everything has has been for five years, but it's probably been longer than that. It's probably been like five or six years. Um, and if you won't lie to me, I won't lie to you. Um, I probably am the first people person a lot of people knew with a podcast. If you won't lie to me, I won't lie to you. I, I, I am the reason a lot of people found out what that podcast app was on their phone. And um, honestly, I, it's, it, it becomes a little hard to do when you're not really sure if people are um, responding to the material. Because again, I, I, you, I have to maintain belief that I am interesting enough to continue to give my take on things. And, uh, you know, likes and comments from my best friends don't always count. And honestly, my best friends don't really, uh, I don't know. If you don't lie to me, I won't lie to you. I, I don't know if, if, uh, well, uh, my friends are weird. My friends are weird. I love them, but they're weird. What are you going to do? And I don't know if they would post it the way I would post it. But at any rate, the podcast is hard to continue when, um, honestly, I taught a lot of niggas what a podcast was, and they kind of clowned me for it. Like, I guess I went through a lot of the early podcast woes that everybody went through, um, and then I went through, like, my interview phase, and that was cool, but, <coughs> I mean, it's, it's ever-evolving. And maybe I'm just bitching about some shit that doesn't really matter right now, but. And maybe I've just been lazy. Maybe I've also been a little busy. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. It's an amalgamation of a lot of reasons. But if I'm coming in late, I'm coming in running, you know, so. I don't even know what that means. Anyway, but um I have some podcast ideas. I got a lot of ideas for a lot of stuff. I'm finally starting to materialize a lot of things. And um, I don't know. It's just very interesting what motivates people. But, uh, you know, motivation is there. It's not just the podcast either. I've done some mixes. I got one planned planned for a couple days. And, um, and also I've just been like legit busy. So this is, this is like my thought. If I keep up with this waking up thing, the podcast is probably going to be at least more consistent than it's been for sure. Um, but I am also contemplating just how to divide my artistic time because, um, Although people think being multi-talented is good or cool in theory, um, 
there are a lot of people out here that are just really good at one thing and don't even really do that much. But if you have multiple talents, they will push you to like, well, you need to pick one and focus on that one, which may be true, which may be true, but you don't really know what is going to inspire or what is going to happen, what you may be commissioned for that will cause you to have to get into a certain bag. So you can't necessarily be off or reluctant or so engulfed in one thing. Not me at this point, not at what I am potentially making or charging for a a, a given job or a given thing. The podcast being more of a long play, if anything. The podcast, I really wish the podcast could be used as like, as like uh like trailers or mater- uh, uh source material for a TV show that's what the podcast really should be looked at as but anyway so um it, it, you got to kind of ride the wave that the creativity comes in right so like Right now, I'm trying to really dig into the dance shit, right? So I'm trying to take the dance, the choreography very seriously. Uh, all my songs are themed. All my dances are themed. Um, it's really a long-form production because all of the dances go into each other. Uh, they're all based on Erica Badu songs. I have four pieces. I have a um, six because Kayla's six, so it's six to eight, and then I have a nine to 11, and then I have six to eight, nine to 11. I don't know, it's four groups. Kids range in age from the youngest is six and the oldest is probably 13. It's four pieces, and I'm about to do a mix where I put all the songs back to back to back from youngest to oldest, and then... um it'll play through like that. And Bradley is actually giving me a little time to put on this production Friday. So kudos to her. But anyway, so yeah, so I took, I tried to take this very seriously, especially since it was good money for six weeks. I want to really like get my, get my six weeks of attention on. And then in this time, I have also needed to do some mixes. She needed me to do a mix for some wedding thing. And, some edits for some songs, some other songs she's dancing to. So that's some bread. And while I'm in that DJ mixing bag, did this 90s hip-hop mix. Um, And then I'm working on another mix coming up. Can't really talk about that yet, but I think it's going to be cool. Going to get a kick out of that. And then... um, I, uh, I, uh, oh, and then I'm also doing these, these, uh, this limited run of tie dye shirts for Monica's brother, rest in peace, George, um, for his label. So I'm, I'm making them. Well, that's not really a see. That's not really a money thing, though. I'm probably gonna try to barter something with Monica on that. But uh, 
but yeah, so like I'm I'm in the different bags the way I need to be in the different bags when I need to be in the different bags. And I don't know if I don't know if people necessarily understand that or like people get that, but like the ro like not to be like cliche or anything, but like the Rojo show is like a, a move. It's like a lot of shit. And um it it is hard to juggle things. Although I know I don't keep the balls up, I still have the balls. I still got the balls. They're right here. I still got them. I just might not be juggling them, but we know I can juggle. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Do you know anybody that can juggle besides? No, you don't. You don't. But you just expect me to be juggling at all times, which I guess I guess is feasible. I guess you would need to see me juggle at all times to believe I can juggle at all times. Even though you know I can juggle, you've seen me juggle, and you know I have the balls. But sometimes you just got to still just... <laughs> sometimes you just still got to juggle for niggas. So here I am. <laughs> Juggling. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so, six weeks of dance camp. <coughs> Working with kids. Even though I worked with kids during the school year. Different kind of work. During the school year, if I'm teaching a class, generally, these kids don't give a fuck about dance. They don't care. And when I teach um, in the summer, I teach modern, and um, I try to take this very seriously. Um, I try to take this like uh, some conservatory type shit. I if I could speak the whole if I could speak French the whole class I would but modern isn't really taught in French ballet is taught in French but if I if I could I would because I had some intense modern teachers okay intense okay uh Marion bruh Marion was intense and if you won't lie to me I won't lie to you um, being, okay, so, like, I never had, okay, I never had, like, bad experiences with homosexuals, like, my first godfather was gay, but he died of AIDS, <laughs> and that's ironic, but we'll talk about that later based on what's going on in the in the current events. And, um, like, there were gay dudes at my church, and, like, I never had, like, no negative feelings towards them. Like, my dad said faggot a couple times. Well, no, no, my dad's word was sissy. He said sissy a lot. Um, but 
never like like I never saw no like negative interactions with him and no gay dudes or nothing. Like I don't know. I think overall he just kind of thought it was like funny. I don't I don't know, man. But like I I know that there are people who like are like like gays, and I, I never felt like that about it. And then I mean. By the time I was like twelve and thirteen, like I was dancing and I was I was around gay dudes a lot. So, um, Marion was like super intense though. Like he was gay, but he wasn't like he wasn't for play. Like he wasn't like act like he wasn't like on no bitch shit at all. Like he was like <laughs> he was like serious and he was like an artist. Like this nigga sang this one song and I don't I'm saying the nigga word because I'm smoking and I'm being lax but no disrespect obviously but um he was like I I cue in on the word intense okay like we would teach these modern he would teach these Horton modern classes and uh like he'd he'd count and he'd only say one and like everybody would just one obviously you're counting in between is one two three four five six but he would just count he would just say the one and he would just have us moving like fucking machines in there. And like I was it was the intensity and the attention to detail that like really like caught my attention. And I was like, this is this is some different shit and I like it. He came in with some tiny shorts on, and that kind of bothered me initially. <laughs> but once I got past that. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I, I started trying to wear little shorts too. <laughs> I was like, yo, when you wear little shorts, you just you dance better, bruh. <laughs> you dance better in them little shorts. But um, and yeah, like that's like I, that's when I started like wanting to dance barefoot. And this is, it was just like he just brought like a different energy to dance. Not saying that my first dance teacher Bertino uh, didn't like bring an intensity but he like uh I could do the stuff he was teaching me like with no problem and like that shit Marion was doing was on the next level and then like and then like and then it was like we got into like Derek and like <laughs> and I was like okay I'm really going to say this nigga's name like this every time <laughs> His name is Derek. Okay. Okay. If you say his name is Derek, I'm gonna call him Derek. <laughs> I would love to verify <laughs> the social matching Derek. But if that's what it do, that's what it do. I'm with it. I'll I respect it. But Derek, he got into like that's when like I realized that that's when like niggas stopped counting and it was just like sounds for the counts, like <laughs> like instead of five, six, seven, eight, it'd be wap, wap, wakunga, wap. Like that's when we got into like dancing in between the beats. Like, nah, it ain't on the count. It's around the count. <laughs> All of y'all find it around the count and get on that. Uh, uh. And then, um, and then it was, uh, who else was it? Nikki, well, okay, so Nikki was the ballet teacher, but, like, Nikki, I don't think Nikki really bought my bullshit as a kid. Because, like, I was, I was, like, 
I was charming. I had personality as a kid, but I could definitely see it coming off sometimes as like some like Eddie Haskell, what this nigga hiding type shit. Looking back on it now. But Nikki was a ballet teacher and uh, she was uh, she was like, I don't want to say mean, but like she wasn't for play play. Okay, the bottom line is I had all these dance teachers that wasn't for play play. Okay, they wasn't for play. So I try to be a dance teacher that's not for play. They made it clear that, look, we at this cute little black dance school out here that, you know, Bertino has built from the ground up. And it's cute and it's nice and it's definitely serving a purpose. And you all are definitely putting in quality work here. But. okay, but. We need to hold y'all to a certain standard because when y'all shashay y'all little asses in some other dance school and these people ask for basic shit that you should know, you need to be able to do more than pop your ass in footwork. That hip-hop shit is cool. It's cool. It's great. But you got to have some technique to be taken seriously. And as in every facet of society nowadays, they assume that there is an easy way through it. And it's not. And we take way more... We take way, we, we afford way more bullshit than some of these white dance schools would. And I don't, I, and, and, and I question looking at it like that. For instance, for instance, hold on. So, traditionally, and in, in our, our uniform policy, we ask that the girls wear their hair up, preferably in a bun of some sort. Now, uh, we all know how extravagant black hair can be. And... Some of the girls refuse to put their hair up. We're talking various styles of braids and faux locks and um, whatever. None of these hairstyles that are impossible to put up. It's not like we're saying you can't have braids. You do what you want. You kids, your parents can do what they want. But when you're dancing, your hair can't be flying around off your head for multiple reasons. So you won't hit other people. So it so it don't look ridiculous unless it's stylized that way. But that's usually in a smaller group than 17 girls on a stage together. So we got to beg for them to put their hair up. I have to beg for them to put their hair up. Do you know what would happen if you were at any other dance school and your hair is flying around and they ask you to put it up and you don't the first time? They tell you to leave. 
They tell you to leave. There's no conversation. And I had a real moral dilemma because in some way I feel like I am telling, (coughs) uh, uh, creating some kind of culture of telling young black girls what to do with their hair. But I'm not. And I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even be, I guess it's good that I'm thinking about it right like this. Kudos to my, my leftist sensibilities. But the number one, and I, I don't know how everybody feels about this, but number one, the rule is the rule. You need to put your hair up so that I can see your neckline, so that I can know if you're balanced, so that I can do my job properly. Second, it's a safety concern. If you're Willow Smith whipping your hair back and forth and you hit some girl in the face, now I have to explain to her mother why her hair isn't up. Why she's getting slapped in the face by some girl's braids. And yesterday, when everybody came in with it with the, with the hair up, oh, we had all these creative fucking styles that nobody could think of in the first in the first week, the first three weeks when I'm begging everybody to put it up. One girl had, you know, two buns, kind of not like Princess Leia. They were higher up. Two buns, you know what I'm saying? Uh, two girls had them braided back into like a, a something. I don't know, but they they create they did something. There's still room to be creative. There's still room to be uh, individuals. But do it the first time. Do please just do it, because they're not gonna ask. They're just going to tell you to leave. I don't know. Whatever. But yeah. And man, these kids are soft, bro. Kids asking me why I'm not in the front. Because you don't dance like you need to be in the front. Dance your way to the front. When I wanted to be in the front of dances, I made them see me where I was. That's what I did. And if that wasn't working, then I went to them on the side privately and said, hey, what can I do so that I can be better so that I can be in the front? And in some cases, it was, Jared, you're a boy. We don't need you in the front for this part. Okay, I get that. I'm going to dance real good in the back. And plus, that might have came from, like, an acting background, too, because I, I, I was, like, in plays and stuff younger. And it was like, if I'm going to be a tree, I'm going to be the best fucking tree. I remember, <laughs> okay, so I was at Morgan Park Academy, right, and they took their theater program pretty serious, and uh, the kids did a program every year. And the first one, I was, uh, it was the lion's paw. I was the lion. And then the next one, it was, um, I don't know, maybe we didn't do that one that year. The next year, it was Squeak Nibbles Christmas, and I played the bad guy. Uh, and then the next one, I played, it was Dudley Do-Right, and I played Snidely Whiplash, so that was like the main villain. And then the next one, it was Huckleberry Finn or some shit. And it was this little white boy, David, 
and he was like, <clears throat> I guess he was like perfect for the role, but he wasn't he wasn't a thespian like I was at that point. And that was the it was the first time that I got like a a small what would be considered like a small role. I was playing the reverend. How typical. <laughs> So I went home and I told my mom, and I was like, I wanted to be, you know, Huck Finn or, you know, uh, what's what's the nigga you be kicking it with? It'd be Huck Finn and, uh, wow, this would be horrible if I was on, this would be like an easy, like, who wants to be a millionaire, $100 question. And I'm blowing it. Tom Sawyer, Jesus. Right, it's Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, okay, and nigga Jim. Where did I hear? Where is that? Was that Charleston White that was talking about how uh, niggas was mad at? Uh, oh, now nah, it's another one. Who wrote Huckleberry Finn? Fuck, is that? Uh, God damn, who wrote Huckleberry Finn? I know Gus is probably screaming in the in the microphone right now. Uh, I hope I remember it before I type it in. Mark Twain, I didn't, but niggas, I uh, I think it was Charleston White that was talking about how people was mad at the time. People was mad at Mark Twain because uh, when he wrote Huck Finn, he gave nigga Jim a name because at that point, white people just referred to niggas as like nigga, like hey that nigga, <laughs> which is which is very sad. This <laughs> is very sad, but. Uh, but apparently, I could see it being true. You came over here with these weird... We gave you names, but nigga, use a nigga. Hey, nigga, fetch me that pail. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, but anyway, yeah, so I went home, and I told my mom that, you know, they was going to make me be the reverend. And then she read that script, and she was like, well, you should be the best reverend ever. <laughs> and I was like, huh? And she was like... Yeah, you should, you should give him like some, like some Dr. King or some, give him like some uh, <laughs> do it like Bishop. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, but uh, yeah, I was up there on that stage in that black robe, and I was up there. Hey, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was giving it to their ass. I was performing a, I was performing a, a funeral. The funeral for Tom Sawyer, where he fakes like he's dead, and then he pops out. If you read the books, you know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, <laughs> I was up there. Oh, <laughs> come to me. <laughs> At a private school <laughs> with predominantly all white people, I'm up there. <laughs> I'm up there doing the first Tyler Perry play. <laughs> I'm up there doing, hey, man, this nigga TP owe me some money, bruh. <laughs> this nigga TP owe me some bread. I'm up there doing the first Tyler Perry play. <laughs> oh, man. But, hey, listen, when I walked up out of there, nobody was talking to Tom Sawyer, okay? Everybody was talking to me about being the best reverend they've ever seen it. 
Man, I felt good. That shit was cold. But these niggas don't have that no more, bruh. They would be mad that they was that they was Tom, they wasn't Tom Sawyer. And then they would quit and they would be like, yeah, I tried to act, but it at, the the director didn't like me. I tried to dance, but my dance teacher didn't like me. Oh my God. Oh man. It makes me scared to have children, but I want to say that like the ones, I want to say that the ones that act crazy, you can kind of tell based on how their parents deal with them, especially if you have to have a conversation with them or have a conversation with a parent, and then, like, you see how the kid responds to it. Like, you, if you, you can kind of gauge which ones care and which ones be like, oh, well, it's okay, don't worry about it. Yeah, I hear him. Yeah, don't worry about it, right? Okay, cool. Hope you take that stance with everything. Um, what else? Um, if you won't lie to me, I won't lie to you. So, I'm a gun owner now. And it's a little scary. I'm not like a concealed and carry yet, but if you're going to have one, you might as well. And... I found myself in too many situations where everybody around me has a gun and I don't have one. And that may seem ignorant, but it also makes you feel a little unsafe. Not for the people or like for yourself, but just like, uh, I don't know. I guess I didn't realize at the time how many of my friends were like, quote unquote, protecting themselves. And, um, I guess I'm the only one of my friends that still doesn't have any kids. Even when you get to, like, my extended friend circle. Like, I know you've heard me talk about, like, E or Chief, big-ass truck going by. E or Chief or Bryant. That would probably be, like, my main circle. E, Chief, and Bryant. That's probably the guys that I talk to most consistently. And then, like, but once you get, like, to, like, like all my niggas from the block, like, J-Rock and SK, Gaggy, I guess Nick don't have no kids, but, um, yeah, like, everybody over there got kids. And then, um, yeah, most people I'm around right now have kids. So, like, if they have weaponry, it is, um... It, it can always be chalked up as, like, protective in that sense. But, I mean, I am kind of the man of my family. Not even kind of, like, it's me. Like, if anything happens, it's substantial, like, I'm going to get that call. So, if I ever do have to, you know, protect anybody or, you know. I mean, these are the people that I would murder for, probably. Um, because I believe they would probably murder for me. So when it comes down to that, I feel like I can't return the favor. So I need to be in the position to return the favor. So, um, yeah, I got my first gun and, uh, I've been to the range, me and Chief went a couple times. 
I've been practicing, you know, like aiming and things like that. And my, uh, I, I, <laughs> I jokingly, we, we go in and we buy the targets and Bryant buys his targets off Amazon. And, uh, he, we were joking about, I'm not even gonna say a joke about getting the, the police, uh, targets, but, um, I was looking at just like target targets. Like there's one where it's like five bullseyes on a page and the page is like an, ex- an extended piece of paper. It's big. It's not like an eight and a half by 11. But um, like I just want to make sure that I can shoot where I'm aiming. I don't really need like a body silhouette for like target practice. I, if I'm shooting a body, I know what the body is. I'm trying to make sure that if I aim at somebody's... If I'm trying to aim at... I guess I, I don't want to say if I'm trying to aim at somebody's head, I'm trying to aim at somebody's head. Because then there's going to be people that's going to be like, well, why are you trying to shoot, kill somebody in somebody's life right away? But then I'm also not trying to be like, yeah, if I want to shoot a nigga in the leg, I can shoot a nigga in the leg. Because then it's going to be the same amount of people that's like, oh, you shoot a nigga in the leg, he can still shoot you back. Or if you shoot a nigga in the leg, he going to live. He going to come back and shoot you. So nothing I can say right now would be perfect. But I'm trying to make sure that I can shoot where I'm aiming. I'm not concerned with needing a fucking body silhouette. What if I need to shoot a dog? What if I need to shoot a raccoon? Charging. A charging raccoon. You never know. What if I'm on some nature hunt, nature walk, got my pistol on my side because there's a threat of mountain lions in the area, and I've been shooting at human targets all my life. It's going to be difficult. That could be extreme, but whatever. Um, yeah, this is a terrible transition, but I, okay, so the Shikari Richardson thing, real quick, like, I, uh, um, you won't lie to me, I won't lie to you, I'm not really buying the whole she was smoking for her mom thing, I just think she smokes weed, and that's fine too, but, um, you know, if you're an Olympian, you need to either know how to get around a test or not smoke. That's kind of the long and short of that. Um, now, I do have an issue with, uh, what's the gay lady name? With the blonde hair to play soccer? Is it Megan Rapino? Is that the one it is? That's doing the CBD, bringing CBD to the Olympics? I think that's kind of some bullshit. Like, either support or don't. But now that we're getting into what parts of the plant we can support and what plant parts of the plant we can't, although they're both beneficial in some capacity, I'm, I'm confused. It's proven it's beneficial in some capacity. I'm confused. I don't know why this um, LGBTIQ, no, no, LGBTQA, is that what it is now? I don't know. Um, Respectfully. 
Um, <clears throat> I don't know why she gets this like pass, but uh, the flamboyant track girl can't. Is it because she's smoking it and not rubbing it on her ass cheeks or rubbing it on her on her muscles? I don't know. But there's also there a uh, a fencer who has been accused of sexual we'll just say sexual misconduct because it has been proven. It hasn't been proven yet, but uh what's his name? Let's look. Let's put him on blast if we're going to talk about can I say nasty Olympic Olympic fencer. Alan Hadzik. That's his name. Uh, despite sexual assault allegations, Alan Hadzik. Um, Ten days after fencer Alan Hadzik secured a spot as an alternate on the U.S. Olympic team, a group of women took their concerns about him straight to the top. The six women fencers, including two Olympic athletes, wrote to the Olympic Committee that Hadzik should not be allowed to represent the U.S. because he was under investigation for at least three accusations of sexual misconduct reported to the U.S. Center of Safe Sport. The nonprofit agency responsible for protecting the athletes from abuse. His presence at the game, they said, was a direct affront to fellow athletes. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, this nigga's a nasty man. And um, he is not only allowed to compete in the Olympics if something happens, because he's only a fucking alternate. Like, Truth be, I mean, as far as fencers goes, he's good, but he wasn't picked to like really be on the on the team. And this nigga has been given a babysitter because he needs to be separated from the rest of the fencing team. So they're paying for him to have a handler, and then they're also paying for him to stay off site, off of the uh, away from the Olympic Village. Um, so this is what they're doing for a freaky man, um, on whatever level he's a freaky man, because he's accused of something by three different women. So I, I, I mean, this is all, this is all I'm saying. Are we, are we placing possible freakiness over definite marijuana use? You be the judge. Um, <clears throat> USA basketball team getting their boot smoked because they're not a fucking team. They are a collection of good players. And um, the U.S. may need to reconsider a strategy. They may need to go back to, um, well, college players ain't really shit no more because everybody wants to go to the league. So maybe they should consider, like, a G League team. Like, maybe the G League champions, but even see even G League players, if they get called up to the NBA, they're going to go. 
I don't know, but they need to create a team. They need to have, like, the same players play. Like, maybe, I don't, because I don't know if, I don't know if the best NBA team could beat all the world teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they did, like, the NBA champions will automatically be, represent the country in the Olympics or something like that. But then not everybody on the team is, like, if it was the Bucks, Giannis isn't going to play for America. Giannis is going to go play for Greece. And I don't know what other players on there have other citizenships, but that's probably what they would do as well. So I don't know what they need to do. I don't want to be an armchair coach here, but they need to figure out um, how to get more continuity amongst the, their team because as of right now, and then uh, so, they're, so they're a collection of superstars, but then they're playing through Popovich's offense, which is arguably one of the most, although it is systematic, one of the most boring fucking offenses in NBA history. It worked because he had, you know, robots running it. And once Kawhi got in there and really had some talent, he had to kind of switch up his game. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know if that's the offense I'd be taking against the world. I'd probably be running more, ironically, more of a, a Dan Tony up and down fast pace with my with my strong horses and letting niggas like Dame, letting niggas like KD create an ice and some isolation uh, situations. Otherwise, I'm picking, I'm rolling, and I'm popping, and I'm isoing, and I'm breaking niggas down. But these other teams have such continuity. They got plays. They got they got chemistry. They got bench bench squads that come in and support. And they've been pl- Luis Gola been playing for his team for like 15 years or some shit like. That's an unheard of amount of experience with the same group of players. And the NBA don't have that. I'd really like to know how many players are on this team that were on the team last time. Probably just KD. This is where Melo would have shined, just to bring some of that some of that old glue, but I don't know. And CP3 is hurt. I think he needs to figure out what he's doing with his contract and the rest of his son's career. Um, yeah. So I'm going to stop this now because I feel like it was a good run and I don't want to force any topics. Those came out pretty naturally. So um, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to try to pop, drop these a little bit more consistently, but this is the Rojo Show uh shy rojo shy underscore rojo one on instagram uh, if you i got questions or comments um the rojo show at gmail.com uh get at your boy man just look out for me i'm dropping stuff consistently i'm dropping stuff all the time this will be on soundcloud but um i didn't do a video that usually is on youtube but we'll we'll make something happen we're doing it we back